Our scripture reading is from the book of First Peter this morning, chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. First Peter, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you, Jeff. It's always a little bit of a hustle to get back out here in time after baptism. It's especially challenging when you lock yourself out of your office where your dry clothes are (laughs) and your keys are also in said office. One of my first times I ever baptized anybody, I think I left my Bible up there and didn't realize it. And I had my sermon notes and everything until I got back out here. So, but I made it. We're here. Let's, before we, we dive in, let's uh, pray together. It'll help me kind of catch my breath and get in the right frame of mind. It might help you too. So let's, let's pray together once more. Father, these realities that we celebrate today with Lillian's baptism are, um, they're just glorious and a little bit beyond our full ability to completely grasp. And now we come to your word, your word that you have provided for your people, that has sustained your people from generation to generation, and what we need now is, is not a sermon from Matt, but to hear from you, and for your word to go forth and accomplish your purposes, and to break through every barrier, to sink down into our hearts, and to transform us. So we look to you together now, please, to do that, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. So I, I knew this service was going to have a lot going on with Lillian's baptism, so I'm just going to present to you one verse and one idea. I think that we can all handle that this morning. Uh, the verse is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and the idea is when it's hard to be a Christian, remember who you are. Lillian's faster than I am at getting ready, getting dressed. So that idea, again, when it's hard to be a Christian, remember who you are. So this passage that Jeff read and that I'm about to explain to you a little bit more deeply was originally written to Christians who were being persecuted and harassed because they were being Christians. As this book says a little earlier, they were being grieved by various trials, and they were in danger of forgetting how valuable their faith in Jesus was, and they were in danger of forgetting how glorious Jesus was, and so so they were in danger of drifting away from him. And so God inspired Peter to write this in order to protect them and to keep them in the faith. Now, their challenge is different from our challenge, because we're not undergoing persecution like they were undergoing persecution. Their challenge was, it is hard to be known as a Christian and live as a Christian. Our challenge is different. Our challenge is it's really easy to be known as a Christian, and it's easy to be known as a Christian and not live as a Christian. And so for different reasons, we face the same danger, that just like they might have drifted away, we might 
drift away if we're not careful. We might forget how valuable our faith is. We might forget how glorious Jesus is. I experienced this, as I've told you before, most of the time when I get my hair cut. And it's always a different person, even though I go to the same place every time. And inevitably, they ask, what do I do for a living? And I tell them I'm a pastor. And nine times out of ten, they immediately begin to explain to me that they are Christians. So, well, I'm a Christian, too. I don't, I'm not a part of a church, but I am a Christian. I don't read the Bible, but I am a Christian. I don't really pray, but I am a Christian. I have no discernible relationship with God through Jesus Christ whatsoever, but I am a Christian. I don't exactly trust him as my Savior. I don't exactly follow him and obey what he's taught in any way, but I am a Christian. Uh, usually it's based on a childhood in a church somewhere, or maybe a baptism in, in the distance, distant past. So it's easy for them to say, I am a Christian. They're not going to get persecuted by saying that, and therefore it's easy to say it and not live it. And that creates a unique danger for us. It's different from the danger of persecution. It's more subtle. It's a more comfortable danger, but it is still dangerous. Just like for them, it was hard to be sober-minded. It's hard for us to be sober-minded. But not because of persecution, but because we get so drowsy with entertainment. It's hard to hope fully in the grace of God through Jesus Christ. For us, not because we're persecuted, but because there's a lot of really great lesser things that we could put our hope in, our education, our careers, or our families. So you get the point as we get started. We're not persecuted like they were, but this passage is still really helpful to us when it's hard to be a Christian in our day and in our culture. So the big idea, when it's hard to be a Christian, remember who you are. And he gives four images that come from the Old Testament. All four of these were used to describe Israel. And now we, Christians, the church, the true Israel, take on the same identity. So we'll just look at these four somewhat briefly together. Just take them in. Maybe for some of you, you're finding it hard to be a Christian right now. You have done what Lillian just did and been baptized. You have publicly said, I trust and follow Jesus. But now, for various reasons in your life, you're finding it hard to actually follow through on that commitment to obey him. Maybe you're finding it hard to sift through apathy enough to want to know what he said so you can live in light of it. Maybe there's some discouragement or difficulty that you're experiencing in life right now or some distraction, whatever it may be. When it's hard to be a Christian, it's really helpful to be reminded of who we are. So the first reminder there in verse 9 When it's hard to be a Christian, remember, you're a part of a chosen race. It says, but you are a chosen race. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, and I had to look it up to make sure I was right on this, there's there's five official races that people can subscribe to, and they're filling out those Census Bureau forms. One is white. That means that your people probably came from Europe somewhere, your ancestry. African-American probably means your ancestry came from certain parts of Africa. American Indian means your ancestors were some of the originals here in the Americas. Asian means your ancestors came from the Far East. Pacific Islanders means your people probably came from the Pacific Islands. 
So those are generally the five big categories of races, and then, and then there's all kinds of smaller breakouts from there. And God chooses his people from all these races, every tribe and tongue and nation. He picks people and creates a new people. And so when you become a Christian, like when Lillian has become a Christian, you don't lose your racial distinctiveness, but you become part of a new race, a transcendent race that's made of all the races, a new people made of all the peoples. This chosen race is not defined by ancestry or genealogy or skin color. It's defined by chosenness. That's what he says there at the first part of that verse. But you are a chosen race. It's defined by God having chosen you and saved you by grace through Jesus Christ, along with people from all these other races that have been chosen in a similar way. So Lillian will find, as she grows in her Christian faith, a deeper kinship with Christian African Americans or Christian American Indians or Christian Asians or Christian Pacific Islanders than she will have with a non-Christian who looks just like her because they are all part of the chosen race. The next thing he points out, when it's hard to be a Christian, remember you're part of a royal priesthood. He writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. When you think of priesthood biblically, Think of two things, access and sacrifice. So the new Christian, just like the Israelite priest in the Old Testament, has been granted access to God and God's presence. So Lillian now has the same access to God as Peter had, as Billy Graham had, as any one of us. Through Jesus Christ, we're all granted access to the King of Kings. We're granted access to God. She gets to call on him as father. She gets to hear from him in his word. She gets to talk to him in prayer. She gets to rely on him throughout daily life. So think access. Also think of sacrifice. Just like the Old Testament priests, we have sacrificial duty to perform as royal priests, as Christians. We get a hint at what he's talking about back a little bit in verse 5 where he says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the Christian, like the Old Testament priest, is meant to be performing sacrifices, but not of animals like they did back then. As bizarre as it is, that is how, in the original covenants, God's people related to him. It was, a, it was a way for them to understand that sin was serious and required death. And then Jesus came along, and he was the once and for all ultimate sacrifice. They call him the Lamb of God for that reason. And now God's people don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. But instead, sacrifice becomes way more radical because now our daily lives are meant to be lived out in daily sacrifice to God. It says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice which is your reasonable act of worship. So as Lillian grows as a Christian, she's growing into a lifestyle of processing what she hears from God's word into daily obedience as worship, as sacrifice. 
because she is part of a royal priesthood. See how much richer these identifiers are than what we usually take for ourselves as Christians? We might say we're Christians or we might say we're a member of such and such church. But our identity in Christ is so deep and so glorious. Let's look at the third one. When it's hard to be a Christian, remember you're part of a holy nation. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is really similar to the chosen race idea. That chosen race idea is the idea of kinship. The holy nation idea is the idea of citizenship. So God is pulling people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, developing a new nation that transcends all nations. It's a nation that will be eternal. It's called the kingdom of God elsewhere in the Bible. And it's a people from all over the world joined together under this new flag of Jesus Christ as king. This nation is not defined by land or government. It's defined by holiness. It says you are a holy nation. That word holy means set apart for God and his purposes. The way, the way anything would be set apart for special purposes. Some of you may have really nice dishes at home. We have some fine china that we were given when we got married. And that's not, those aren't the dishes that our kids clink and clank out of the cabinet for their cereal before they go to school. Those are set aside. Those are set aside for special purposes. And so it is with Christians. We are set aside a holy nation for God and his purposes, not like the rest of the world anymore. Our bond as a nation is the command, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. So again, as Lillian develops as a Christian and grows as a Christian and meets other Christians, she'll find that she has a deeper patriotic camaraderie with a fellow Christian from Mexico or the Middle East than she does with a non-Christian from Mint Hill because they're all a part of this holy new nation that God is building, and it's beautiful. Meredith experienced this firsthand very recently. I always forget to okay my Meredith illustrations before I use them, but we've gotten to know or interacted with a lady with a foreign accent at a nearby grocery store over the past several months, and we've just always noticed this lady. She just seems to be sort of beaming with joy and life and love for everybody she encounters there. And uh, Meredith just had an opportunity, and it made sense in the conversation for her just to say, are you a Christian? And she said, of course. Yes, I'm a Christian. And they got to know each other a little bit there, and it turns out she's from Prussia. I've never met anyone from Prussia apart from her. And it turns out a couple generations above her and her family, they actually had to flee Prussia, if I remember right, because of persecution for being Christians. And so right there, they just immediately recognize their shared citizenship in the kingdom of God. Even though one is from Midland and the other is from Prussia, they're fellow citizens of the kingdom, of this new nation, this holy nation that God is building. It's beautiful. The last one, when it's hard to be a Christian, remember you're part of a people for God's own possession. You're part of a people for God's own possession. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Now, of course, God possesses everything. God created everything. Everything belongs to him, and everyone belongs to him. What's different about this people 
the Christian people is that they recognize that ownership and celebrate it and embrace it. They celebrate what it says back in chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. It says, you were ransomed, which means bought, purchased back, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So here are four, perhaps new categories for you to understand yourself if you are a Christian. Perhaps expand your understanding of your identity in Christ, deepen it, and hopefully strengthen you for those times when it's, it's just hard to continue on as a Christian. Because if you haven't experienced it, you will, because it can be very difficult to live as a Christian in this world. So when it's hard to be a Christian, remember who you are. When your love for one another cools for some reason, there's some issue or some challenging relationships within the church, remember you're all part of a chosen race. When malice or deceit or hypocrisy or envy or slander set in to your life, remember you are a royal priesthood. When you lose your taste for God's word or it becomes dry to you and you're tempted just to forsake it altogether, remember you are a holy nation. When you find that you've begun building your life on something other than Jesus Christ, remember you are part of a people for God's own possession. I pray that Lillian will see herself this way, that she will more and more understand how awesome her new identity in Christ is, I pray that we all will. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word on this awesome Sunday. Would you help everything that's true about this settle down into our hearts? Lord, help us to trust and follow Jesus and help us to fully embrace who we are in Jesus And protect us in those times where it's hard to continue on as Christians for various reasons. Protect our brothers and sisters around the world who are experiencing real persecution. And protect us from the more subtle, comfortable dangers that we face. In Jesus' name, amen.